And as you know, we are in our season two of Unstoppable series. The Unstoppable series is a sermon series from the book of Acts. In total, there are 28 chapters in this book. And you find that, that it's all about how God moved his gospel to all nations. All right. In these 28 chapters, you will realize that the gospel started in the city of Jerusalem. It went to all of Judea and Samaria up north. And then it went on to the city of Antioch in Syria. It went round the bend to central Turkey, to the cities in central Turkey. And then, and then it went on to, to Greece, to the cities of Corinth, Ephesus, and finally it landed in Rome. All right. This took a span of 30 years. Why 30 years? Because when Luke wrote the last chapter, 28, Paul was in Rome. He was in house arrest as he was writing and preaching the gospel. All right. That puts us in the year AD 62. And so from the time of ascension to AD 62, it's about 30 years. By any account, all right, by any human account, this is a miracle. Right? In those days, the Christian leaders, they, they were unproven leaders, so to speak. They were untrained, unschooled. They didn't have money. They didn't have modern methods of communications. They don't have emails or WhatsApp as we do today. Right? And also, you find that they had to meet so many obstacles. Okay? The, the weather hasn't been really kind to them in many instances. The transportation was poor okay? and the terrain was bad. And so, for them to be able to bring that gospel right to, to Rome in a span of only 30 years, that by itself is a miracle. That by itself shows that God's gospel is unstoppable. Although the book of Acts ended with 28 chapters, I believe God wants you and I to continue to write those chapters, to continue to write stories on how we will be bringing the gospel to the lost, how we are going to bring His gospel to the ends of the world, to the ends of the earth. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, Jesus said, no, wait, wait for the Holy Spirit, okay? Wait for the baptism of the Holy Spirit to come. He says, because when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, you will receive power, all right? You, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem to all of Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. That's what Jesus has, has said, all right? And so as we are called to go to the ends of the earth, for some of us, the ends of the earth could be just our neighbor. For some of us, the ends of the earth could be just to our families. You know, these are the people who could be the hardest for us to reach. Right? It's hard sometimes to talk to our parents about, about, about the gospel. It's hard to, to, to sit down with an uncle to talk about the gospel. You know, this, uh, some of these people groups, some of these uh, friends of ours or family are probably the hardest people that we can reach out to. But God is with us. I just want to encourage you, God is cheering on that we will do this for Him. Right, we will bring the gospel to all our friends and our families as well. And so now as we, as we look at season one, if we, if we just do a recap on what happened, this was all possible because there was a shift. There was a paradigm shift in the way um, ministry was done. There was a paradigm shift in terms of the mindset of the apostles. In fact, you'll find that in the old gospels, it's always been Jesus saves. And now in the book of S you can find that it is Jesus sends, all right? So there is a shift from Jesus saves to Jesus sent. And in that process, if I, as, as soon as uh, Jesus ascended to heaven, all right, He sent forth the Holy Spirit to the people. He sent forth power from on high, all right? And we are empowered today by the Holy Spirit to do the works of God and also to, to be able to walk a godly life. And the thing is that uh, in this whole process, Jesus has passed the baton 
just pass the baton to all of us, right, to bring the gospel to the lost. Okay? In the past, it's always been him physically doing it. Today, he's passed the baton to us. And then also, thirdly, uh, uh, as a result of this paradigm shift that happened, okay, the gospel is no longer only for the Jewish nation, but it is for all nations. All right? So in this season one that, we, that you have just gone through, if I may recap to you, you find that in that season, you, we, we came across the first miracle and then also the first opposition that came against the apostles and the disciples. All right? With a move of God, with a great move of God, came a great opposition as well. And indeed, in that season one, Peter the apostle, he, he preached two sermons. And in that two sermons, he, moved, he increased the church from 120 remnants all right, to 5,000 in the church, excluding uh, women and children. And so the, the church grew ex, exponentially all right, in season one, all right, ending in Acts chapter 6, verse 7. All right? And so you find that, uh, that with the great move of God came great opposition. So in season two, last week, you guys have talked about the first martyr, you know, the stoning of Stephen. Essentially, that is the beginning of the persecution of the church. And I've entitled today's message, Church Gone Viral. This covers uh, chapter 8, verse 1 to 40, a total of 40 verses. There are just too many verses to, to read. So I'm going to put it into uh, three categories, piece them together, and hopefully uh, bring out the message of the chapter itself. Today's message will help us answer two questions. The first one is, if God were to send us to unfamiliar places, would we go? And the second one is, if God were to send us to unfamiliar people, would we go? There are three areas that we're going to look at. Chapter 8, verse 1 to 40 covers three big topics that we can, we can look at. The first one, obviously, is persecution. Right? Persecution, we're looking at suppression and scattering of the disciples, all right? and then the exploitation of the gospel, and then thirdly, of course, the eunuch's response. And we're going to look now at uh, the first three verses of chapter 8. Okay, verse 1 goes like this, And Saul approved of his execution, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judea and Samaria, except the apostles. Verse 2, Devout men buried Stephen and made great lamentations over him, but Saul was ravaging the church and entering house after house. He dragged off men and women and committed them to prison. Chapter 8 is a continuation of that stoning of, of Stephen. It was a continuation from that. You find the name Saul was first mentioned in chapter 7 verse 58. Right? He was a young leader then and he was at the spot where Stephen was stoned. All right? And, and indeed, as a, as a Bible says here, Saul approved of his exec execution. All right? The word approved here uh, is not just simply that he gave consent. All right? The word approved here has a much deeper meaning. It means that he was pleased with it. And so, uh, what, what we see here is that Saul, as a person, he took pleasure in persecuting the Christians. That's why you find that uh, he was ravishing the church. He went house to house. It was Gestapo style. He went from house to house, dragged the people out into the streets and then threw them into prison. And that was how it is. He took pleasure in doing that. And that was so intense, as you can see. All right? I I'm glad that we are not living in those times. 
So you find that um, with this great persecution going around in the city of Jerusalem, there are probably three responses that, that the, Christian, the early Christians could have. The first response, obviously, is they could just yield to the persecution. I mean, there are, I'm sure there were those who just simply couldn't take it and they just go back to their, to their old ways, essentially. All right? uh, but the second, of course, the second response is that they, those who stay on and trust God and, and face the persecution. You find the Bible says that the, uh, many actually were scattered. Okay? In fact, it says that all were scattered except the apostles. But that's not entirely true. See, the apostles stayed back. They, they actually led by example. All right? uh, so there's something we can do. The early apostles, they actually led by examples. They stayed back and, and faced the persecution. But there, there are some scholars who said that uh, one of the reasons why the apostles could actually stay back was because the persecutors were, were kind of reluctant to touch them because they've seen them perform miracles, so to speak. And, and they were like kind of superstitious that they might not want to do that. But this is really uh, just a speculation. Okay? But we do know that they stayed back. And also there are others who stayed back. In verse 2, it says, devout men, okay? Devout men, godly men, buried Stephen. And so these people stayed back, they buried him, and they mourned for him. So here you find that, uh, that uh, uh, some early Christians then, they stayed back, they stood for their faith, they were strong in their faith, they were filled with the Holy Spirit. And what's really also important to note is that in those days, okay, in those days under Jewish custom and Jewish law, so to speak, um, they were not, they were prohibited from openly mourning an apostate Jew. Meaning if a, if a Jew has, has turned away from his roots, turned away from his religion, okay, even an apostate, they do not permit them to openly mourn for them. But here you find this godly man indeed just came out openly and mourned for Stephen. So they stood in their faith, encouraged one another. So the other third, the third response obviously is uh, they were scattered there. There are many, in that sense, who were scattered to other regions. And you find, of course, here is that um, they were all scattered to, to the regions of Judea and Samaria. The word scattered, it's important to note that the word scattered in Old Greek, in the, in the ancient Greek word, has two meanings. Right? The first meaning is to scatter to destroy or scatter to disappear. Assuming they were to scatter ashes, right? it's like you're just throwing ashes away. So that's one word for it. And then the second meaning, uh, which is what is applied here, is that they scattered to plant. They were scattering like seeds, scattering seeds to plant. So it's an agricultural term where they use to connote a, a scattering of seeds to grow. So this is what was used in this, uh, in this particular verses here. In fact, so the people did not just uh, run for cover because they were afraid to, to exercise their faith. Okay, they ran to cover away from the persecution, right? They, were, they took refuge, especially they went to Samaria. But when they arrived at that place, they continued to lift up their faith. They were there. So, so in that sense, they were scattered to a new ground, right? They were not scattered just simply because they were afraid and that they were not practicing anymore. No, it wasn't that way. Right? Because as they were scattered, God brought them to a new place. And in that new place, they started again to live out their faith. They shared the gospel. They talked about the good news. And so from here on, we're going to look at another uh, four verses, right? From verse 4 to 8, verse 4. Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. Verse 6, and the crowds with one accord paid attention to what was being said by Philip 
when they heard him and saw the signs that he did. For unclean spirits crying out with a loud voice came out of many who had them and many who were paralyzed or lame were healed. So there was much joy in that city. All right? So this is amazing. Something happened in this place. All right? While Jerusalem well, they, it was, was under persecution, here in Samaria, in the city of Samaria, there was rejoicing. And so when the people, when the, so in, in fact, actually the, the Samaritans could have been really surprised, right? I mean, why are these Jews all here? Okay, because Jews despise the Samaritans. The Samaritans are half-Brits, they are half-Jew, half-Gentile. And so they, they were despised by the Jews generally. Right? And so they, in, probably in all their lives, they, they would never go into Samaria. They would just go around it. But in this case, you find that they all converge to, to Samaria okay, to avoid persecution, which is obviously very strategic because uh, if, they, if they were to take refuge in, in, in Samaria, then the persecutors will never come. All right? So they actually feel quite safe there. So, so in effect, uh, it was strategic okay, for the Jews. It was also strategic for God. Because now, God was able to use His believers, all right, His disciples, to continue to spread the word, to continue to share the good news. And which is actually what they did. Right? In verse 1, it actually says, Now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. Those who were scattered, this, those people, who are they? They were the ordinary people. They went around sharing the good news. It wasn't like they were trained in any special way, uh, went to school to teach how to evangelize or to, or to share the gospel. No, they just went around sharing the good news of Jesus, went around sharing the, 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 the good news, the, the, the love of God to others. They simply go around and keep sharing, keep sharing, and that's really what they did. So who are these people, all right? And like I said, they are ordinary people. They are people who are just believers, just like many of us, okay? And who is Philip? In that sense, who is Philip? Philip is not the apostle Philip. All right? he, um, he wasn't the leader who was with, um, with Jesus then. No, Philip was, a, was a, one of the seven uh, men who was chosen. All right? I call them the seven magnificent men. Okay? Together with Stephen, it was chosen to help to distribute food in chapter 6. If you recall, during that time, uh, there was a conflict, there was a, um, an argument that arose between the Hellenistic Jews. Hellenistic Jews meaning Jews who spoke Greek against the old Jews, the traditional Jews, so to speak, who speak Hebrew. All right? So there was a conflict and then the leaders uh, agreed to appoint seven men. One of them was Stephen and the other was, uh, was Philip. So, so he was one of those men. Uh, they were actually uh, required to help in the distribution of food. So they were actually the hospitality team. Can you imagine? I'm sure all of you uh, in your churches, uh, you have your own hospitality team, right? And so they, they, they were really part of that. They were just helping out, serving food to the widows and to the, and to the, the, to the members. And so ordinary men that God used to share His gospel, ordinary men okay, that who rose up in faith, who obeyed the call of God to keep talking about His Word, to keep sharing the good news. And I have a story to tell you. Right? I have this friend, Max Ang. I've recently reconnected with him. I spoke to him recently. All right? Max, uh, Max Ang uh, is a Malaysian. I met him when he was in Manila. And in one of the events that we organized under the Malaysian Association of the Philippines, it was, it was an insurance investment event. 
okay, held in um, Makati Shangri-La, alright, and he was there, and he was a new guy, and, and he reminded me actually, he said that it was on that night that I shared the gospel to him, and that he received Jesus as his Lord and Savior. And Max is really a great guy, he's, uh, he's, uh, he's a happy guy, you know, he's always faithful, faithful to his life group, faithful to come to the life group, faithful to invite people, to reach out to businessmen, and he was doing that until I left in 2016 when I retired and I came home to Malaysia. Uh, I was told that after that, he, he, he was lost a bit. He thought he could, do, he could go about doing his own things and uh, he was lost a bit. But in 2019, I met an old Life Group member again, a Filipino-Chinese guy, uh, Chris Chua, and he came over to KL. I had lunch with him. And during that lunch, he told me, he says that, uh, do you know what? He said, Max is back. All right, Max is back, okay? He was out in the wilderness for a while, but he is back, all right? And today, he is reaching out to the Chinese people, the Chinese expats, so to speak, in Makati. And he's doing such a great work that he's reaching out to them. In fact, I just recently spoke to Max. That, that outreach is now turned into a church service. Pastor KY from China has come over and he's preaching the word. And Max is today a, a worship uh, he leads worship for the Chinese. Essentially, he just told me that he has recorded the, uh, his worship songs and they're doing it online, right? So this is amazing. I was, when I spoke to him, I was just in awe. I was just so, um, so inspired by what he has done. For a guy like him who, who's really an ordinary businessman, he came to, to the Philippines simply to, to do a, a business in photocopying. Could you believe that? He, was bring, he brought photocopying machines and he was doing photocopying and that's what he was doing. And he came to an unfamiliar place and now he's reaching unfamiliar people. He wasn't even reaching out to Malaysians. He's now reaching out to Chinese people from China in Manila. So this is, this is how God works. God can use ordinary people for extraordinary things. All right? So for you and I, okay, for as long as we make ourselves available to God, God's going to use us mightily. So I really want to encourage you with that. Okay. Now, as we move on, as we move on in chapter 8, you find that the next thing we're going to talk about is the exploitation of the gospel. Uh, essentially, this is the story of Simon. And I, I just want to make, the, just make a long story short. Essentially, as Philip was going around sharing the gospel, as he going around preaching the word, uh, many people were saved. Uh, Simon was one of them. Okay, Simon, uh, he used to be a magician, so to speak, as the Bible says, and people, people look up to him. They, they, he was able to do things that uh, he was practicing black magic and stuff like that, and, and people were looking up to him. Wow, this guy can do supernatural stuff, all right? But Simon got saved along with the other people who saw what Phil, uh, Philip was doing, and then he followed, he followed Philip to many of these um, events, so to speak, and that he's seen how the signs and wonders have happened before his eyes, all right? Now, the next thing was that when the apostles back in Jerusalem, when the apostles back in Jerusalem heard what was happening in Samaria, and they realized that, wow, something great is going on, and there's a great revival in Samaria, all right? And as soon as they heard what was happening, okay, they sent Peter and John over to, to, to Samaria to back up uh, Philip, and there, when they arrived, he says that the Bible tells us that when they arrived, they laid hands on the people and they infilled them with the Holy Spirit. And as Simon saw that, as he saw the, the, this gift of God that the, that the apostles had, all right, he wanted a part of that. And he told the apostles, 
Can I offer you money okay, in exchange for that gift? And so this is how, um, this is how the apostles uh, answered him in Acts chapter 8, verse 21. And this is what Peter said to him. You have neither part nor lot in this matter, for your heart is not right before God. So obviously, Simon uh, essentially wasn't, didn't quite understand okay, um, that uh, uh, this is not something that, that can be of commercial value. Okay, uh, this, is, this, this came as the apostles came to minister to the people as they laid hands and prayed for the people for the infilling of the Holy Spirit. Okay, and he thought that uh, this is something that he could use all right, to impress the people or maybe even to, to gain commercially out of it. And so, uh, and so the apostles rebuked him, essentially rebuked him that your heart is not right before God. You know, and I'm sure, and I'm sure today, this morning, as you're listening to this sermon, none of us out there, okay, are like Simon, where we, would, where we think that we could use the gift of God, okay, for our own benefit, for our own personal gain or fame. Right? I believe we are not in that mode. But I just want to say that, you know, there are times, okay, there are times when we get engrossed or, or focus too much on just the blessings of God. That we are totally, uh, totally in, uh, immersed into wanting the blessing of God and that we have left behind the blessor. That we have, we have diluted our relationship with God Himself, all right? And we kept looking at the blessings that we can get from Jesus. I mean, in a way, in a way, we have turned uh, God into an ATM machine, so to speak, that we are just merely focused on what we can get from Him. So that's always a danger that we ourselves can fall into. And so I think today, as, we, as, we, as I read this passage about Simon, it just came to me that maybe this is a good reminder for all, for all of us, that we are not to just pursue the blessings of God, but we have to pursue God Himself. Because as we pursue God Himself, as we pursue Jesus, the blessings will come. And I just want to give a great reminder there for you guys, okay? Pursue not the blessings, pursue Jesus. Amen? All right, I hope you're encouraged this morning. With that, we don't, uh, we don't normally talk about that on a Sunday morning, but truly, I felt that uh, that was a good reminder. Okay, so as we move on, all right, as we move on now, uh, we switch gears a little bit, okay, as, uh, as Philip has been ministering in the city of Samaria. All right, people get saved, uh, people, people see signs and wonders happening, all right, uh, people are delivered from evil spirits, the lame get healed, people who are paralyzed get healed. So great things were happening in Samaria. And now we see there's a, a switch of gears here, okay, in verse 26, in verse 26, um, the angel was talking to Philip in verse 26. It says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go towards the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. You know, this is very interesting. Why? Because it is very clear that this can only come from God. The reason being is Philip is doing such a fruitful work in Samaria. Like I said, people are being saved. His ministry is growing. Things are happening. Okay. And now, God wants him to move to the desert area, to move away to this place, to, come, to go across to another place, to move to an unfamiliar place again. All right. And so here you go. By human standards, this would be very foolish. But because it was the angel of the Lord, because it was the voice of God that Philip was hearing, Verse 27 says that he rose and he rose and went. And there was an Ethiopian 
there was an Ethiopian and eunuch, a court official of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians, who was in charge of all her treasure. He had come to Jerusalem to worship. And in verse 28, and, and was returning, seated in his chariot, and he was reading the prophet Isaiah. He was reading the book of Isaiah. Can you believe that? Verse 29, and the Spirit said to Philip, go over and join this chariot. All right. So here you find Philip rose up in obedience to the call of God to go to this unfamiliar place, to go to this desert, okay, left behind his fruitful ministry to answer a call from God. And you, and you see that, uh, that the timing of God is always perfect. Okay, as he went, all right, as he went. So, so actually, in terms of positioning, uh, if, if Jerusalem is right here, right at this point, okay, some city of Samaria is somewhere out here, okay, and that he has to come back down to Jerusalem and go all the way down near the southern coast to Gaza. So that's how it was for him. So he, he, as he actually arrived at the place, okay, where God has called him, he meets this Ethiopian eunuch. So what's the significance of this eunuch? It says here that he came to Jerusalem, okay, came to Jerusalem to worship. You know, this eunuch, this Ethiopian guy, he is a court official. He's a respected person. He's probably rich because he's, he's entrusted with the treasury of the queen of Ethiopians, right? So he's probably rich, powerful, uh, well-respected. Even with all of his... Um, richness and with all of his wealth and, and position, he could not answer some of life's questions. And he was searching for God in this sense. He was searching for, he must have heard about the, the, the Jewish God. He must have heard something about, about uh, the God of Israel, I suppose. That's why he went to Jerusalem, okay, to worship. But you find that, okay, in, in Leviticus 21, the Jewish law prohibits a eunuch from all temple rituals. And so I'm sure when he was there, he was probably rejected. He probably couldn't enter. Right? He probably felt uh, isolated and abandoned and you know. So he was pretty lost, okay? And he was on his way back from that when he met Philip. And what was he doing when he met Philip? He was sitting down reading the book of Isaiah. Isaiah is a prophetic book about the Messiah. We know that we just recently did a series called Foretold. It came out from, from the book of Isaiah. And so he was there uh, reading, not understanding it. Okay? And as, uh, as, as Philip came by, okay, the Spirit of God told Philip, go up and join the chariot. Go up and, and engage this person. As you read on the other verses, okay, uh, Philip did exactly that. He went up, um, spoke to them, do, do, do you understand what you're reading? And the eunuch turned around and said, well, you know, nobody explains to me, how can I understand? And then, and so happened that the chapter that he was reading was chapter 53 of Isaiah, which talked about the Messiah being the sacrificial lamb, the work, the work of God on the cross. Jesus would sacrifice himself for the sins of his people. And so this is so timely in a way that the, this this eunuch who has gone to worship must have felt rejected because he was turned away, you know, and has come down. And what's this meaning of life? Okay, uh, I really do not know. But here, you find that God's timing is so perfect that Philip was there to explain the love of God to this utopian eunuch. And that he found Jesus that day. As the Bible says, uh, Philip shared the good news, all right? preached the word to him, preached the good news to him, and he believed. 
and then he went on to be baptized on the same day itself. So, you know, I think this is a story that tells us a few things. You know, for one, the gospel of Jesus is for everyone. Okay, no one is left out. Human laws and culture can isolate, but the love of God is for every each one. Every one of us, if we, are, if we feel rejected by people, God will still love you. All right? And so, indeed, just want to encourage you, okay, this gospel that we have, that the goodness of God is in us, all right, is so rich in us. It's so rich that we need to go out and share to someone. We need to go out, all right, to, to be able to overflow that love of God to someone. Philip rose up to that call. He went to an unfamiliar place and he met a very unfamiliar person. He met a eunuch, not a regular. You don't meet eunuchs every day in your life. And he went there because he was obedient to God's calling. And in so doing, a soul was saved that day. Soul was walked into the kingdom of God. And so I really want to encourage you with that. Indeed, in fact, I want to close with these last verses that essentially explain uh, God's love for the eunuch. Screen Isaiah 56, verse 4 and 5. It says, For thus says the Lord, this is uh, Isaiah, uh, prophet Isaiah speaking, For thus says the Lord, To the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose the things that please me and hold fast to my covenant, I will give in my house and within my walls a monument and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that shall not be cut off. This is so encouraging. This is a confirmation of God's love for even the most unloved people in the world. For the Jews, these people are outcasts, imperfect. They're not even allowed to enter the temple. But for God, but for Jesus, He has opened that doors for them to come in. And really, this is who the Jesus we worship. The God who loves every each one of us for who we are. No matter how rejected you are by other people, God will still love us. And so as I end this message this morning, as I end this sermon this morning, I just really want to encourage you. Right? If God, or I will ask you this question, if God were to ask you to go to an unfamiliar place, would you go for Him? If God were to ask you to go to an unfamiliar person, would you go? Right? And essentially, this is what uh, it is for my friend, Max. You know, I cannot ever imagine a Malaysian who gets called to Manila, do a business, ending up getting saved there, and then ending up ministering and reaching out to Chinese people in Manila. This is, only God could figure that out. All right? Only God could figure that out. And Max has found purpose for his life indeed. Right. And so I really want to encourage us this morning as we, as we listen to this word that we open our hearts to be sensitive to the call of God. Right? You know, uh, God may not, have, may not call us to go to far away places Afghanistan. God has just called us, maybe like I said, the ends of the world for some of us is just our neighbor because he's so hard to talk to. That guy is so obnoxious. It is so difficult to even share, but I'm going to try anyway. They are the unfamiliar people that God is going to bring into our lives. People who are difficult, people who are different. Okay. Just one time in my life group, there was a gay. All right. I, he, 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 he has come to my life group. Um, he was already sick with AIDS. All right. We welcomed him. We, we, we loved him. In fact, on his last days, 
you know, I, I, I took him to my factory in, 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 in uh, the ceramic plant, right? and, I, and I told him he's a designer, he's an artist, designer, all that, and I, and I and gave purpose to him in that sense. Brought him there and I asked him to look at some of the designs that we have for our styles and I asked him to comment, give critique and, and give us some feedback. And he felt he felt so good. He felt he felt loved. I mean, though he received Christ, but he after I think a couple of years he died, he died of AIDS. Alright, and, and and he's in heaven today with God. But that's what I meant is you know, God will bring unfamiliar people to us. How would we respond to that? And so with that, I just want to uh, close in prayer, uh, if I may, right where you are in your living rooms. Um, I just want to ask you to, to just uh, take a moment just to be in the presence of God right? and just reflect upon um, the message that you just heard even right now. If God is tugging your heart all right, to go, to go to someone today, to go to your neighbor or to go to a family to the family uh, uh, in your household, right? Um, God is tugging your heart, right? To speak to that person, to share the love of God to him. I want to pray that you that you respond to that call, right? If that's you this morning, I want you to just bow your heads right now. Uh, I just want to pray with you, Lord. Even right now, I just uh, pray for my brothers and sisters out there, Lord. Even as you have called Philip, Lord, even to unfamiliar places, Lord, to unfamiliar people in his life. Yet he rose up in faith, rose up in obedience to your call. Lord, I pray this morning that all of us be like Philip, oh God, that we rise up in faith, Lord, that we who have experienced the love of God, that we who were once wretched and disowned, that we today who have received love will want to go out, oh God, Lord, and spread your love, oh God, to someone else, Lord. I pray indeed that you give us the boldness, the courage, O oh God, to rise up, O oh Lord, to bring forth your word, O oh God, to someone, Lord, who needs it today, Lord. And I pray indeed for our love, uh, for our brothers and sisters out there, Lord, that even as they do that, O oh God, Lord, even as they do that, Lord, that you will bless them, that you would be the one, O oh God, Lord, that will fight for them in anything, O oh God. And so I bless all these people today, O oh God, in Jesus' name, Amen. And in this time of pandemic, People are all worried and concerned about their livelihood, about their own businesses. You know, so it is timely for us to go out there, to reach out to someone, to share the, the love of God to them. Alright, and so thank you very much. God bless. See you next time.